I don't know if there's an optimum step to stand on, but I'm going to take the middle one today. So uh, today's text can be whittled down to one verse. Be angry and yet do not sin. Have you ever heard that verse? Raise your hand. Be angry yet do not sin. I'm going to read the longer version, the context surrounding that one sentence, and I'm reading from the translation of the New Testament called The Message, reading from Ephesians, the fourth chapter, some of Paul's advice to the church in Ephesus. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break God's heart. God's spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit to be God's child. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgiving one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I bet it's not just me. I bet you, too, have noticed there seems to be a slight uptick in anger going around these days. In fact, it's like it's in the air or in the water that we drink seems like every day it rears its head all over the place. I was in the locker room at the Y the other day, and just over here there, was a, <clears throat> there were a couple of guys also getting dressed, and one loudly said to the other, you know, they're all thieves. They're liars. They're corrupt. You can't trust them. I'm not going to tell you who he was talking about. But about 50% of us is who he was talking about, whichever side you want to pick. He was ugly. He was personal. He was categorically blasting his enemies. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I don't know why I was shocked. I shouldn't be. So today, women are calling out men for their offensive, immoral, often illegal behavior. Outraged. They've had enough. And men are starting to get outraged at being called out. They're starting to feel like victims. Police officers having to react in stress-filled split seconds. And sometimes innocent people are killed. And there's outrage against the police. And there's outrage by those defending the police. 
And then there there are innocent black people complaining about being targeted, mistreated, profiled, and there are deserving white people who say they're being unfairly passed over. And so there's hate and labeling and stereotyping and anger everywhere you look. It's hard to find someone these days who doesn't consider themselves a victim of some kind of injustice. Really. And therefore, therefore, in some way, they're entitled to retaliate against somebody, to vent the unfairness of it all. Are you angry at somebody these days? Can you name that person? Or is it a whole group of people? The rise of hate groups has been well documented. The shootings in Parkland and in Pittsburgh at the Pulse and Emanuel in California, at the Landing, so many places we don't have time to list them all. Outrage after everyone and during everyone. And I'm not trying to conflate or equate any of these issues or existential realities. In many cases, they're very different and complex and real. But what they have in common is it seems like the victimized are making victims of their enemies, and we in the church are just caught up in it. What to do about it? Well, we can work for change in our system of democracy. That's supposed to be a laugh line there. Um, I mean, with the voter suppression and the gerrymandering and the rigged recounts, I mean, it's all outrageous. Now, here's something I bet you didn't notice. Did you know there are entire networks on television and radio stations that are entirely dedicated to provoking outrage? Anger gets viewers and listeners. Anger sells. And anger votes. And anger hits and shoots. And anger can build a wall so high no one can get over it. And I ought to know. Because I can build a pretty high wall when I'm feeling angry. Now, we know that anger does something to us. The first spark of anger activates the amygdala before we're even aware that we're angry. And the amygdala activates the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus signals to the pituitary pituitary gland The adrenal gland starts to secrete stress hormones like cortisol. Elevated cortisol creates a loss of neurons in our prefrontal cortex. It keeps us from making good decisions or even remembering what we've said in the heat of the moment. Too much cortisol 
decreases the serotonin in our brain. That's the hormone that makes us feel good, that makes us happy. So we feel more angry, more pain, more aggression, and maybe depression. Our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure, our glucose level, our thyroid function goes down, the incidence of cancer goes up. Uh, all these things, all these results of anger. And yet, Paul said, be angry. Go ahead and be angry. Because we know that anger is not necessarily always bad. It's a kind of warning system. Something feels wrong. Something hurts. I stubbed my toe in the middle of the night. I've been mistreated. I've been disrespected. Something hurts. My ego has been insulted. Or I have a goal, something important to me, and something is getting in the way of it. It's frustrating, my goal attainment. I'm late for a meeting, and I'm trying to drive rapidly on Roosevelt Boulevard, and some people are in my way, and I get angry. I think more than anything, though, underneath our rage, our anger, are two things. One is that our security is threatened. We feel fear that our security socially, emotionally, physically, economically, something very close to us is at risk. And we don't like it. We're feeling something precious is endangered. And we get angry. Because we don't want to deal with how afraid we are. And then, the other thing is I think often there is underneath our hostility or our hate or our rage, sadness. Sadness is something that you're not really permitted to feel in our culture. This past week, as I'm preparing my sermon on anger, I got angry at home. It always happens that way. Whatever you're preaching about, it just smacks you right in the face, and you have to deal with it. And so my wife said something to me, and it just, you know, chapped me. And I kind of didn't yell, didn't nothing overt. I just sort of walked away. I withdrew. She knew I was mad. But it took me only about, I don't know, a half hour of stewing to figure out that about one-third of that interaction was about the two of us and our differentness. And the other two-thirds was about my sadness about my son and daughter-in-law moving away with my little grandsons. And that just ambushed me. So anger can be a useful signal. We need to listen to it, not bury it. But Paul says, don't hold on to it. Don't 
Hold on to it. When the sun sets, let it go. By the time dark comes, have dealt with it. But anger is in the air, it's in the water, and it's making us sick, soul sick, our whole society. And I believe working on our anger is spiritual work, and the church can help if, if we are willing. We know that healthy conflict results in more creative outcomes and solutions, deeper relationships, stronger trust, a more solid sense of acceptance, a more honest facing of the truth, and therefore all of these are the preconditions to real love. So important. But weren't those Old Testament prophets known for their anger? Didn't Moses smash a couple of tablets when he got angry, when he saw some evil happening? Didn't Jesus march into the temple and overturn tables and make a whip and whip people on out of there? Isn't there a place for righteous anger? Isn't there a time to get full of, um, I don't know, time to fight back. Pearl Harbor, 9-11. Some other times in your own personal life. Can you think of times when you have felt justifiably rageful? I will say this. Those who justify their hate and violence with Stories in the Bible had better back up. At least that's how I view it. Jesus was arrested, but in his arrest he told all his followers not to fight. And when he hung on the cross, it is said he could have called on a thousand angels to come and fight for him, and he refused to do that. In fact, he said, forgive those who are doing this to me. Peter and Paul and their band of, of early Christians, as they traveled around, were repeatedly beaten and abused and jailed. And there's no record of them fighting back, no record of them suing or slandering or fighting anger with more hostility. The church, indeed, assumed that its faithfulness to Jesus Christ would necessarily lead to some kinds of injustice against them. If not by the state, then by the dominant culture in which they lived, which they understood was foreign to their values of the gospel. These Christians were not surprised or outraged by attacks against them. They were moved to prayer and greater service and sharing with one another to support each other through the trials and singing songs of joy. They were moved to seek the fruits of the Holy Spirit, self-control and gentleness and patience and peace. 
Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Not suggesting that we become a church full of tight-lipped smiles that just hold everything in and pretend it's all okay. doesn't bother us. The people of God are called to make prophetic stands. Our hearts ought absolutely to be broken by many things that are wrong in this world. In fact, we probably don't get angry enough about things like human trafficking. And still, the church of Jesus Christ cannot be sustained, nor can any relationship be sustained by righteous indignation or hate in the guise of goodness and rightness. It won't work. It'll eat us up. It'll tear us up. Hate and anger are not the fare that we are fed at the Lord's Supper. Rather, it is love, suffering love. Willingness to suffer for the sake of love. That's what we are invited to feed on. Move into our woundedness and our pain, our fear, our sadness. I can't begin to know all of the reasons that a person could store up such resentment or hate that I heard in that locker room at the Y or that we all see around us. But I do believe this. Anger is a bodyguard for pain. And I would bet that underneath most of our rage and hate is fear and grief and maybe some guilt. So let our anger be a matter of prayer. Pray for our grief. Pray for our fear. Offer up our guilt, confess our role in whatever situation, stop nurturing and holding on to rage with conversations at the water cooler or in social media or at the club. Stop blaming that guy or that group. It will get us nowhere, and it is not of Christ. Jesus said this, blessed, blessed are not the winners of the recount. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will become children of God. Amen.